I'm Jen. And I'm Carrie. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. This is episode number 63, and our book is The Twice Dead King Ruin. So chartreuse. By Nate Crowley. It is the start of a trilogy, I believe it is. Uh, telling the duology. tales. Is it duology? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, starring Ultix, the heir to the Ithacus uh, dynasty of the Necrons. There's a lot going on in this book. We posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our conversations via YouTube, Twitter, or Encrypted Fox channel. Boiler warning. If you haven't yet read this book, definitely pick up the ebook or the audiobook, or if you have used some chartreuse, pick it up and read it before listening to this episode, as we're going to go through the book and from start to finish in great detail. With that, let's dive in. As always, did you like the book? No. <gasps> this be my book of the year sorry now that you have wounded me why didn't it click with you I just don't care about Explain the Necrons Explain yourself I don't care about the Necrons and this didn't make me care about them anymore uh, really yeah no don't care don't care. In fact, I was like doing my praises when the blood angels landed. I was like, that's right. You wipe them all out. Um, I mean, my goodness. so the book is very, very educational. I will say in just learning about how some of the Necrons work and, and this and that. But no, I did not. It was not my thing at all. all right. Actually, so I went into this book kind of like, hmm, okay. Um, I'm not really into the Necrons generally either. I obviously I loved um, the Infinite and the Divine because that was more Abbott Cut and Costello in space and less Necrons. Mm -hmm. Our previous book that we had read that was solely about the Necrons was the Chartreuse that you were supposed to get you. That was uh, the Indomitus book, which and I did not like either. I did not like that either, and I totally agreed with you because I was like, they're basically Terminator Eldar. I. I know I make a lot of Grey Gardens jokes, but that's pretty much what those Necrons and the Eldar feel like to me. They feel like hoity-toity aristocracy that have raccoons living in their ceilings, but they're still just better than you. Um, was never really impressed by it. And this book kind of started off that way, because Ultix was definitely of the, like, ugh, the unclean races and... But it really made me care about the Necrons. And by the end of it, I I got like all verklempt at the end of this book. I was so sad. Um, really liked it. And there was a lot of stuff in here that really stood out to me. So let's let's talk about that really quick. What parts stood out to you? Uh, like we said earlier, the fact that it was the very beginning had the dramatis Necroni. Like, well done. Well done. Little golf clap. Very for well done. I, 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 I did like that. Um, oh, hey, my notes just like went somewhere else. So there was a lot of little tidbits that that to me was interesting to learn, like history of the orc creation. That was a fascinating little tidbit. Um, learning why oh, when he when he actually confirms that, oh, yeah, these were created by the old ones to deal with us. Yeah, uh, that was interesting. Um, learning. I how love how offended he is by that too he's like Ugh. how the uh gauss weapons 
work, I thought also was yes. fascinating. Um, mm -hmm. How that's just a hecatic, is a hecatic proclamation. It's just like, you don't exist. And so it is. It's, you know, kind of in a way, it's like, you know, Skyrim with like the words, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. the word spells. It's kind of, it's kind of like that, but, you know, just in bright green light of death. Um, right. So that, oh, and learning more about why certain Necrons sometimes wear skin. <laughs> We're going to talk a lot about the flayed so, ones in here. So like with that alone, um, that I thought was very fascinating. I really enjoyed that. And I liked um, anytime he was um, speaking with his subminds or more like arguing with his subminds. And uh, I did also enjoy, I think, it, I don't remember his name, Lys, anyway, the Duke of Deathmarks. Lys Decor? Yeah, sure. When he, when he shows up. and Loved uh, him. Yeah. So he was, you know, it just, that to me is entertaining. But honestly, like, as a whole, like, the, the story as a whole, it just, mm -mm. And probably because I saw a lot of it coming. Interesting. I, um... So first off, I want to talk about something that you had said. One of the things, or that you had hinted at, when they talked about, like, some of the flayed ones, one of the things that continued every time it happened, when Ultix would kind of disappear into his own mind, and then all of a sudden would be like, I don't need to breathe. I don't need to breathe. I'm not breathing. I don't need to breathe. Like, the idea that even okay, that, after, like... That was cool. That uh, was, like... In, in a weird way. Because, honestly, and I will say, because that's... I mean, I'm not saying this is not a well-written book. Not not by any stretch of me. This is a very well written book. And those are a great example. Because whenever he went through that, I would notice I had trouble breathing. Because that's like how... Whenever you think about breathing and all of a yes. sudden you're like, oh, God, I have to tell myself to breathe. Right. Um, but it's one of those, but in his, like, I don't need to breathe. I can't breathe, but I don't need to breathe. Those, see, even now I'm just like, oh, I gotta take a breath. Because just that kind of stuff will just really mess with your mind when it, come, when it comes to breathing. And I'm freaking yoga teacher i talk about breathing all the time but that's how well written that was that it made me suddenly be like oh my god am i breathing you know just when you don't think about it anymore but when you get scared what's the first thing you do when you get scared you clutch your chest right to catch that breath and we don't yep. have that anymore like i can't imagine how disorienting that is you know it kind of reminded me like akin to like you hear about, about um amputees Phantom like, limb syndrome, like, like or the ghost pain, you know things like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I I can't imagine, and I could have totally imagine that still affecting you sixty million years later. Right, because I mean, for a lot of that, they have they had slept, right? Mm -hmm. And but I did, I liked. So I used to work with a guy who he had lost his leg from the knee down, and he had a prosthetic, and we would be in meetings, and he would reach down and he would scratch his prosthetic and he would catch himself and be like he was like phantom phantom limb syndrome's a real thing um and so like reading this that's all i could think about was him and like this idea that like every now and then because as you said like when you get panicked or something a lot of the times what you try to do is focus on your breathing right like calm down mm -hmm. calm down they don't have that and so i imagine there would be a lot of that the other thing that Unlike the Eldari, and specifically the Drukhari, the Drukhari, to use my Grey Gardens, they're living in squalor, and they don't care, because they still just know that they're better than you, and this is just fine, right? I did like when he would, like, muse about how he's like, yeah, entire dynasties just don't wake up, 
or they wake up and their minds have just gone. Like the idea and what he talks about, he's like, every person that we lose, we're not making more of them. I was like, oh, my God, because like you hear about like and I always think about this is actually one of the reasons that I never really liked Tolkien because the the elves are in decline, as are the dwarves, right? And, like, pretty much every fantasy story you ever read, the elves and dwarves are in decline. To be fair, uh, but it, he started it. Oh, no, no, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's the blueprint. But what I'm saying is that it's like, just make more elves. I'm sorry you're so fatalistic that you're like, no, our time has come to an end. Um, Just make more elves. Have um, more babies. Exactly. So, like, but, yeah. If you lose a nobleman, like, I, I mean, obviously, like, people die all the time, but that's another member of your race you will never get back. Like, you can't, you can't replace that person. No. You're, as your nobles, and they've already talked about how, like, the common soldiery are basically just mindless as is. So that actually made me deeply sad to listen to him basically being like, our empire is in shambles. Well, yeah, because there's no procreation. No. No. They but can't just make his. More. His whole thing about how, like, look, entire dynasties don't wake up. Entire dynasties wake up crazy. Oh, and by the way, there's this flare curse out there that we're all susceptible to. Like, just the whole idea where he's like, yeah, it sucks to be a Necron sometimes. I was like, oh, man, like, I hadn't even considered that before. And if you read the author's intro, he did talk about how he's like, look, and he actually said something that made me figure out why I didn't like Indominus. Because he talked about how it's very easy to put yourself into the mind of an Imperial Guardsman or a Space Marine, because we're all about the Imperium, right? But it's harder to put yourself into the mind of a Necron. I think Indomitus was written from the point of view of a person who is definitely pro-Imperium and, and looks at the Necrons as this alien, this bizarre... And when I say alien, I mean like in every way that you could mean that word, this alien race, right? So they're very haughty and they seem like what humans would imagine them to be. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure there's a lot of that. We saw a lot of that in this book too. But I did like that he put himself into the shoes of what it would be like this, right? Like, yeah, your empire's crumbling. It's bonkers. You can't breathe anymore. <laughs> like, everything that you knew is gone. It's, oh man, well, and not to mention, I did have to feel kind of bad for him. And they're like, so we go to sleep, one of the dominant races, and uh, we wake up and all of these unclean things. I especially liked when he would, when he was looking at the Imperial ships and he's like, I remember being like that. I remember be thinking that the, or the galaxy was just owed to us. I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> Hmm. That's yeah. a little bit of an uncomfortable comparison. I mean, so, but the thing is, with that, like, I saw, saw his point, but at the same time, I'm like, yes, and you guys are still thinking that the galaxy is all, is all yours, even though you slept last six million years. So who's more right in this situation? You know, and then, I, I forget, uh, I think it was from the, um, I don't remember where I read this, it was some either orc book, or I saw Warhammer Plus, not sure which, Remember, the orcs were saying that the humies just think the world belongs to them, when really it belongs to all of us. We just may not have gotten there yet. Right. Well, and technically, the Necrons aren't totally wrong, right? Like, essentially, they colonized a lot of these planets, went to sleep underground. So, like, when the, like on some of the planets, like, where the Necrons are under there, and then they emerge, and the humans have taken over, right? 
you're basically squatters. Like, sorry, you've been here for, you know, 5,000 years. We've been here for 60 million. So, like, I can understand why they're like, <laughs> you guys are just squatting on what is rightfully ours. You shouldn't have gone um, to sleep. There is what, that. What's that right? saying? You snooze, you lose? I mean, pretty much, right? But it was that part was kind of interesting where he's like, Ugh, they just think they own the place. And he kind of like, he vacillates between how arrogant and then, I mean, shit, we were the same way. I did, I liked that. I, though I did, and I did like when he was like, so their ships look like they're giant churches, kind of like our ships look like our mausoleums. Like, yeah. I mean, I liked when he was like, whew, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> um, the other thing, my favorite quote that I wrote down on here is actually on page 80. That's what he says. Orcs, thought Ultics, feeling pure hatred. Only they could enter the ancient tomb of a culture so mighty it had defeated gods, get massacred in the process, and then have a party. It's the scene when they're throwing around the dead lord. And he's just like, I mean, we said this before. The orcs are living their best life. The orcs are living their best life. And, I, and actually, and I that. think I think that um, Nate said that in his in the end as well as something very, very similar. He says like nobody's having their good a good time. Well, apart from the orcs, right? It's my last book for like the Black that. Library. Yeah, yeah. It uh, that cracked me up. So let's talk a little bit, because this is the next thing that really stood out to me, kind of bridges nicely. So the two scenes with the flares that he comes up close and personal with, how they look at him, and they kind of give him that creepy smile, and just the way he describes them, especially the one that like looks at him and is kind of laughing at him and like handing him the stuff. This is so creepy. We learn a lot more about the flare curse or disease than we have before. Okay, I feel so, like, honestly, I didn't know this was a curse before. Again, okay, I'm clueless about everything Necron. So I, I don't even know who the old ones are. I can't tell you like any of that. No idea. Sorry. So when they, um, so when they talk about being cursed, so like, well, that's an interesting explanation. But I, but that makes sense mm -hmm. why you see some Necrons wearing skins yep. of others and some. You don't, but uh, so yeah. So I didn't know it was like it was like well, because we but it sounded kind of like the Necrontier had curses of their own. Talked about the disease that they all eventually will get. So well, I almost wonder so if that's the, like a carryover. Kind of. So that was basically. I mean, they always talk about the sun and stuff like that. It was essentially my understanding, and this is again like a super super simplified version. It's basically a, the cancer. They all had cancer. They lived on these, um, they lived really close to radioactive suns. They were basically all dying of cancer and they were all getting it. It was very much like if you've ever, like my, the way that I always interpreted it was if you ever saw Mad Max Fury Road, how they're constantly getting cancer in that. Similar thing. And so that was why. And now was that in part because of the Catan or the old ones? I don't know. Um, the Catan being separate from the old ones. Um, I figured out that much. Cause, because but, I talked about the Star Gods giving them the means to defeat the old ones. It's like, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but did they though? <laughs> so the old ones, it took me forever, by the way. I always thought that the old ones were for years. Um, 
were basically because they're supposed to be reptilian so i always just kind of pictured them as looking like the lizard men or the seraphon from the fantasy world mm -hmm. right and not necessarily like the skinks and stuff like that but like the slan and um like a that guy mazamandi i always kind of pictured it looking like them looking like mazamandi um and uh so i don't know about that one um but yeah so the only other time we really saw the flayed ones, they kind of mentioned it in Indomitus a little bit. Like they kind of hinted at the fact that that was a thing. But the first time we really saw one in a book recently was in that Graham McNeil book. Remember when they eat the dreadnought alive? Caiaphas Cain. Right, but we we read the we read uh, the Graham McNeil the space the Uriel Ventress book before we read Caiaphas Cain. Right, but you said the latest book. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I meant like, sorry, like the, the most recent to be published book that we read okay. was in, yeah, sorry. Um, words, sentences, read my mind. Um, so but in that book, we saw them, but they were just kind of presented through Uriel Ventress's eyes and they're horrific. So it was oh, interesting. I just remembered like another place I saw them because uh, hmm. you didn't read these. The uh, Karkaradin short stories. They were in this. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But again, they're presented through an imperial lens, right? Of which just, well, what I is mean, going on? Guys coming out wearing your friends who just went down in there and came back out and he's wearing his face. That's kind of, that's kind of creepy. A little creepy. Well, especially because there's a, reading this book, there's an especial tragedy to it. Because... Again, thinking about when he's like, I, I don't need to breathe. I can't breathe. I don't need to breathe. I can't breathe. You don't need sustenance either. Well, I mean, he even talked about how they, they're not eating it. They're just like shoving it in their faces. Exactly. So that makes it. And I think we even said that in that they Graham got, McNeil book. They can't open their mouths. They're not eating anything. Um, he references one of my favorite short stories and horror games ever called I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. And he, because he kind of mentions, like, uses almost that exact phrasing. Um, that whole part sounds horrific. And as much as I like to cook, not actually being able to eat just sounds awful. Um, like, not being able to just go and get a mocha anymore. What are you going to do with your life? Um, well, as he put it very plainly, when he had his flashback to back when he went through the bio furnace, that was the end of his life. He was right. Yeah. It was the end of his life. Yeah. It was. You're now just a construct, basically. But it, it's such an ignoble way for a, a living creature to die. Because you're not even... Like, at least the orcs are eating you and will content... Like, that they need sustenance. So right. they're eating and then, you know... Like, this is just... It, it's almost spiteful. Like, I'm eating you, but I don't even need to. And it's not even... I'm not even really eating you. I'm just miming that I... Pantomiming that I am. Um... Every time I think I figured out the worst way to die in Warhammer 40k, a new one pops up. It's true. No. So, what's your take on it? Because he kind of mentions how Mintep is like, it's not a curse. But then Ultix is like, no, I really do think it is. Actually, the whole thing with Mintep made me think a lot of, funny enough, the Blood Angels. 
and their curse. And so when the blood angels showed up, I was just like, well, of course it's the blood angels. Because if anyone's going to understand this weird thing about eating flesh and all that, it's going to be the blood angels. Uh, with curses. Poetic irony to right, that, wasn't and, it? You know, curses and, and, and all of that. Um, you know, almost kind of the way that, like, Mentep is like treating Yannick very much like how the blood angels treat Lamart. Like, there's, mm-hmm. like, he can come in and out of it. Like, how's this going? Or even like how they treat Mephiston. He, but he came back, but he's something new. Like, what is this? You know, um, so, and he's really, really weird now, but <laughs> regardless, um, so it kind of made, made me think of that. And I'm, I mean, if there's anything, I am curious what Mentep thinks that the curse is. Even though he's like, it's not really a curse, but at the same time, when he sees Ultix watching the cursed ones, you know, eating, he's like, don't you have to stop? Like, that's how it spreads. Like, oh, it has. So I'm wondering if it's some sort of affliction, not a curse, but like you said, but the whole thing with like, with the breathing, it's a, it's a thing, thing with the mind. And honestly, when I first saw the flayed ones, my first thought was they missed having a body so much. That's why they're wearing the skins. That's what I've always... Same always thought and I think there might be still something to that here they miss you know miss being alive so much that's why they're eating that's why they're wearing the skins yeah I had the same thought basically where it's like you just disappear inside of yourself and you can't handle like you just you just break your mind Mm -hmm. fractures because it can't handle the fact that you're not breathing. And like one of the big things that he doesn't talk about, but I would imagine like not being able to touch stuff. Right. I mostly thought of it when I was, he kind of does. He mentions it one time where he goes kind of back into his memories and he talks about how things feel and he realizes how, Mm -hmm. he didn't realize how much he missed touching things Mm -hmm. before. I mostly thought of it because this book feels amazing so like when I was holding it, reading it, it just like it just it has such a good yeah. feel to it. Um, that would make me sad. Like if you couldn't like feel textured. Like oh my gosh. So that was kind of my that was kind of my take on it too. Is that it's basically people just being like, I can't. I just can't. I just can't. Well, honestly, I would probably be one of the Necrons that went mad. Shortly after, I probably would be too. Because they even talk about how there's no women and children. You know, that they didn't really make it uh, for one reason or the other. Well, there are female characters, but not very many. But also, does it matter? Like, I kind of liked how. um, Well, but what I mean is, like, with that one, that one destroyer, he uses the gender neutral pronouns with them. And I was like, that totally makes sense because with the destroyer curse like you don't the destroyer curse like I would imagine that I was like oh yeah like at that point you're just a destroyer like that guy still is a little cognitive um, but not by a lot right so at that point nothing like your identity nothing like you would just very much go neutral right I would imagine well then why not you go as it that... instead of they that's what I don't understand well because I think I think there's still like some form of identity there, not fully monstrous. Like I think his buddy, their buddy is probably very much like that, just mindless because that the buddy was not, was not okay. Um, but I think there's some form of identity there, just very neutral with the Necrons. Cause like, remember in that 
Yeah, I forgot oh, there there were some were some female Necrons. There are it. a lot of female characters in the Necrons, but does it matter? And like that would be I this is gonna remember, sound super weird. I can't remember which but, book it was that we read. Which one? If it was basically there talked about how they had a wife and child, and when they went through the bio furnace, like they went mad, and she ended up killing that, was that one. Okay, she ended up killing her child, and then she killed herself. Um, it's like yeah, like that's. That, I mean, I totally, and I have a feeling it was like the those females they ended up not making are probably the mothers. Just a, this kind of what I think, especially as a mother, what what I would think. Um, is there? I mean, they do talk about there's no children. Like you right. don't ever see any children. There's some females. There's no children. Around, there's no children. You're you're not gonna have more children. Even if they were children, um, they're stuck where they are, right? And depending on how strongly you identify as being female, it would be very difficult. So. Yeah. I mean, because you've got, you have all nothing. of a sudden you're in a gender neutral body. Well, because there's, there's literally, there's no sex. I mean, I don't there's mean, nothing. I don't mean the act of it. I mean, like as in the body, there is no sex at all. Yeah. You are, yeah. as one of my friends put it at work, a uh, robot was the Egyptian call them the egyptian robot zombies essentially what what they are pretty much i mean that's basically what you are so depending on how and i would imagine you would also see this for men too like depending on how strongly you identify as male what makes you a woman or what makes you a male is gone right so depending on how strongly so like one of the things a really good friend of mine years and years and years ago she had this beautiful long hair and she was going through a rough patch and she shaved her head and she said like she did it like on a Friday night and she was like I'm so glad I didn't do it during the week because she's like I wouldn't have been able to come to work because she said she's like so much of a it's like as a very feminine woman she was like so much of your identity is wrapped up in like women having long hair that she was like it like broke her for a couple days and then she was like no nah, I'm fine now but she was like oh. Oh my god, like I'm not even a woman anymore. Like it's just like weird stuff like that that I would imagine, especially for the Necrons. This like really made me think. And I guess that's what like I don't still like I'm not like, oh yeah, Team Necron. But it really did make me think a lot more about what a miserable existence this has to be. No wonder they're all pissy and grumpy. Yeah, well Their is life it, suck. Is it really an existence? I mean, like, and also, like, with, with this character, it made me think more about this character when he talked about his wife, right? Like, can you imagine not being able to, like, hug your spouse again and feel yourself hugging them? Like, that feeling of safety that you get when you hug another person? Like, can you imagine? Like, let's let's keep sex totally off the table for a second. Like, that would also be really super weird. If you're just like, well, that was the last time I ever had sex. Like, just so many things about the human experience that are now just was not a Cronter experience, I'm assuming since they were creatures of flesh and blood that they're very similar, right? I've always imagined the Necrontier to be very like pre-human. Yeah, very much so. I did I did like how prim and proper their culture was though. Uh when he talks about like when he touches the filth and he's like, oh my god, this was like taboo even the times of flesh, this would have been so taboo. And he talks about how his sub-minds, Dr. Trenella, is like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? I 
I really liked how oddly prim they were and like how he said like what at one point they used the euphemism for the youth euphemism for excrement and he was oh like my God, clutching that... his pearls like <gasps> Godwin Zenology like said that and they're all like you know like find your language and it's like how dare you and oh my god like I totally imagine one of them probably doctrinal is going oh just like passing out you know just <laughs> write the papers but uh, at the same time though yes they're so prim and proper but they've lost the big picture like yeah I'm gonna bring up Mass Effect again like Morden he's saying I was too busy looking at the big picture big picture made up of little pictures little pictures bring in too many variables and that's kind of filled with the Necrons they're too busy looking at the big picture that looking at the whole at the same time mm -hmm. Oh, no, very, very much so. I would agree. Uh, I mean, take case in point. When he runs into, uh, I can't ever pronounce his brother's name, but... Joceris. Uh, Joceris, sure. That sounds good. Joceris. Um, and he's cleaning his immortals with the dust. And he's like, how much dust are you getting kneeling on the ground? And you can tell that it never even occurred to him. Again, looking at the big picture and not all the little pictures that make up the big picture. Let's talk a little bit about Ultix. Um, how did you feel about him as... Let's start with just how did you feel about him as a person? Or as a character? A brat. He kind of was, right? And he definitely grows. I loved his character arc there at the end. I thought that was really great. But... um. Like, I thought like, you could really see the growth of him. But, yeah, he was kind of an entitled. But it took, it took him being beaten down, broken mm -hmm. to pieces, and having nothing to do but to go back in the memories and see that he remembered things wrong. I, actually, that broke my heart. Because we always talk about that. Like, you, you see a lot of books about that, right? Where it's like, ugh. I hated this person. This person was so awful to me. But then when he actually goes back, he's like, oh, no, God, I, my bitterness and hatred. And I do like when he's like, this is not, like, I think about this guy every day. And one of his sub minds is like, that's why your memories are so corrupt. Because you think of them every day. See, that didn't. I saw that coming like 10 miles away. I knew the way he kept obsessing yeah. over Joceris. I'm like, okay, this is not how he remembers it. Joceris was actually a good guy. It was actually protecting him. Oh, he figured it out. Okay, bravo. Okay, we move on. Like, I, I, right, but I don't I like mean, when I can predict stuff. Like, as soon as I can predict stuff, I'm out. And it doesn't matter, like, how no, but heartbreaking it's not, it is. Like, for me, like, yeah, you can predict it coming, but it's, it's not really, it's, it's more of like the, like, you can tell that that's coming, but it's just the way that it unfolded was so nice. And I wasn't... Didn't do anything. Like, no. Well, because, again, I think it's because his character was such a brat and a butthead. I kind of expected him at the end to still be petulant about it. So the fact that he, like, as soon as he sees his brother, he's like, oh. And as soon as his brother is like... You could have reached out in all of this time. You could have reached out to me. Like, I understood. Well, as soon as his brother said that, I was like, okay, so what I was thinking was right. Right. But I did like, I liked that. I liked that it forced him to be like, yes, I could have. 
and like realize that shoot <laughs> like, like okay i was kind of being petulant because we've seen plenty of stories that go the opposite way right where it's like actually this wasn't the way that you remembered it and i don't care i'm still justified the fact that he had to actually take a step back and be like damn it it that made me sad and but it also made me like happy for him i guess that was like the other emotion that i was like oh you can grow as a parent as a character and you can yes you started off as this petulant meh, but you do have there's like there's actual character growth here which is ironic given that they're necrons and basically will never change right right because they're again a dying race um what did you think of him as a leader who Ultics? Ultics. do you think he'll be a good king um, dynast whatever they call him i mean i think he will just because i mean he had the vision obviously way back way back when that uh his father whatever he is was being led was being led led astray most likely by his vizier was um you know, we, and we see this like like all the time, where it's sometimes it's like the son is so eager for the throne he wants to to kill his father, but in this case, no, he saw his father was going nuts and was leading them in a bad place, so he was so he was going to take action, uh, and the fact that he was like, no, I'm willing to die for this, like I will die over killing him because then it means that our dynasty will, will persevere and move on. So just for that alone, I could see him being a, a, a good ruler, but only, but what has he got to rule now, right? He's got nothing. He's got no planet. He's got no people. This uh, ragtag, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later because I, okay, like it reminded me. Where do we go? So there was a movie like many, many years ago that was kind of like a sort of a documentary about what happened with um, Letterman and Jay Leno and the and the Tonight Show when uh, Johnny Carson left. And when Leno was failing at first, NBC came back and offered the job to Letterman. And Letterman actually went and called Johnny Carson and was like, I don't know if I should even take this or not because I'm doing pretty well over at CBS. And Carson said, look, they're offering you a failed product. Like, now they're offering it to you when you should have had it back right. then. Now they're offering you a failed product. Well, that's how I feel about this. You're king now of a failed product. Right. And there's a big... There's a big question mark, right? About, okay, so you've now... In, as he says, I mean, you're now the king of ruin, basically. Like, you've... Right. Your dynasty is not what it was. Your dynasty is it's now not even a dynasty. It's not even. You've got I mean, this, this isn't ragtag even a, this, group. This isn't even a case of Thor Ragnarok. Of Asgard's not a place. It's a people. You got no people. You got no people. You really. got no place. You got no people. <laughs> I mean, so really quickly, let's talk about the people with around with whom he has surrounded himself. So let's talk about Mentep. Is that guy on the level or no? Mentep's like the best character in the entire book. You only say that because he's Necron Belisarius Call. Well, Definitely. Now, okay, well, now I hate him. No, I, I mean, don't. he's the only one that had anything interesting. He's the only one that had, like, 
an interesting personality. Everybody else is so boring and they're flat. I mean, yes, yes, Ultics changed and he grew, but he just, but he's still a flat character to me. So, like, one of the things that stuck out to me was, and here's the thing that I'm really waffling with with Mintep. On one hand, you learn about him giving him the submines, right? And when he forces Ultex to admit why he wants these submines, and which also made me kind of sad when he's like, I'm just lonely and I miss my brother. Like, okay, so now I'll give you these submines. And that was kind of a nice moment, right? But the biggest red flag to me is first off, when he goes back to Antikef and he's talking to his brother and his brother's like, whoa, wait. Um, I cannot remember what he calls them, like the Carbonite. It's it's a it's yeah, a, yeah. Um, it's an element. It's like a it's like a sister element to uranium. It is highly carcinogenic and radioactive. So if you're calling somebody that, probably not the best thing, right? And um, the vizier called him the psychomancer. Yes, the vizier is like, oh my god. So this guy is known off of their planet, right? Off of set. Now. When he's like, when his brother Joseris is like, wait, what, what's Mintep doing there? But then later he reveals, I've read every single report you've sent. And Ultix is like, huh. So Mintep's been removing himself from my reports. That's interesting. Like, yes, that is very interesting, isn't it? He's toying with information. And Zot, who's amazing, by the way, but clearly... Like, I was getting serious uh, call inferior vibes off of that thing. When he, like, when it, like, chirps at him and he translates it to Ultix and Ultix is like, that's a very complicated thought for a pet. And Mentep's like, yes, it is. <laughs> Actually, like... Mentep reminded me a lot of Morden from Mass Effect. Just very eccentric. Very brilliant. Has his own plans for things. Yeah. He reminded me a little more of Belisarius only because they constantly mentioned how he had some pretty unorthodox ideas. And like when he talks about how like he's like it's not a curse, right? And he's like, oh, I don't know that I would say that out loud, dude. Um he I love him and I love him as a character and I can't wait for the next book because of him because I'm like there's something that's actually the only reason why I'm even looking forward to like another book is Mintep and what he unveils or discovers or whatever right um yeah that's he's an interesting character and I like him but so he's got Mentep who's little Belisarian collie. Uh, he's got Ormoridini, which also good person to have on your side, but potentially not too. Mm -hmm. um, then you have uh, you have Yannick, who poor Yannick. Alas, poor Yannick. Alas, poor Yannick, indeed. I barely knew um, him. I was so heartbroken when he's like, I've, I've been like hiding this from you for like 10 years. He's Lamar. I'm fine. He basically is. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're not wrong. It is very blood angel-y where he's like, yeah. I mean, it reminded me go of look up Lamar, that. Go look up Lamar's face mask. All right. Just, just saying. I, it reminded me of that meme that you and I really like with the blood angels. <laughs> what do you see? 
I don't see Horus. Excellent. Excellent. Like, I kind of reminded me of that, right? Like, oh. are you good? I'm totally good. I don't want to eat these people alive right now. <laughs> like, okay, good. Good. We're awesome. Um, I did like, though, that as soon as, and this is one of those things, too, that for him, I was like, ooh, that's an interesting concept. Once he comes to bust his friend out of Hawk, as he's, like, talking to him and stuff on the ship, he's like, oh, wait, this is my old friend. This is the guy I remember. Maybe the flare curse is just boredom. Like, when you sit around and you have nothing to do but think about the fact that you have no mouth and you must scream. Right? Like, maybe once we start going and kicking some ass and conquering the galaxy, everybody's gonna be fine! I mean, maybe. I mean, because, you know, where did we see the flayed ones and um, Kaifus Kane? Oh, they were underground in the ice. You know, um, I did actually kind of snicker a little bit when one of the monsters the vizier made him fight was an amble it's like that's just kind of fitting because if I had read this before Red Kaivis can't have had no idea what you guys were talking about but it's just you're you like know, that's a delicacy well you know like necrons amble apparently they go together I don't know um like peas and carrots <laughs> thanks thanks yes I just quote I'm sorry thanks, I just Forrest. quoted boomer yeah I quoted boomer the cir- circle jerk the movie Damn, that was way harsh, Ty. I hate that movie. Oh my god, I have so many friends who just love it. <laughs> Are they boomers? Uh, no, they're Gen X. They need to check their priorities. <laughs> Strong feelings about Forrest Gump. <laughs> Things apparently. are heating up in the Forrest Gump fandom. Well, apparently, good lord. Okay. I mean, Boomer I... circled through the movie. We good? We good. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember what I was going to say now. So that uh, like they go. So are you happy hand, now? Right? You happy to yeah. just continue? No. No. Um, you were talking about the <laughs> the amble going together with the flayed ones, like peas and carrots. Oh right. So so the first time I saw them, they were isolated on this ice planet, and then and uh, oh my god, my Ariel Ventress again, isolated. So, I mean, maybe. I like the idea that... Oh, shit. The Karkaridon, uh short story. They were deep underground and isolated. Like, maybe if you just leave these guys alone for a few thousand years with Those nothing... They'll take care to... of the problem themselves. <laughs> Pretty much, right? They're just going to drive themselves to extinction yeah. at this point. Um... The idea that if you're bored, yeah, like, you have nothing to do but go nuts. I mean, that is, (laughs) there's a reason that, like, isolation is used as a torture method, right? Right. Solitary confinement. Yeah. Yeah. People go nuts. Um, yeah, there was that uh, study done back, what, like in the 60s or something like that, where they were looking at solitary confinement because in the olden days, they would just like throw people in cells and just be like, you're on your own. Um, and they were like, yeah, maybe we need to stop doing this because it has a really bad, really bad effect on the human psyche. Uh, apparently also on the Necrontor psyche. Well, I mean, because all the of isolation, so solitary confinement, especially if they do extreme solitary confinement, like we're thinking like Shawshank Redemption, where they're in the dark the entire time and just every now and then the door opens and it shoves you know food and water there's a bucket somewhere in the corner 
there's all these studies that when you're like that, when you're in a room and it's totally dark and you can't see anything, like, no, not, yes, of course, when light comes in, you're not going to be able to handle it. It's going to burn your eyes, but you begin to lose all senses and like with hearing and touch even, like everything becomes completely desensitized, which fucks with you. <laughs> it just, yeah, it yeah. Me messes up your mind. So, yeah, I mean, I guess you're sleeping for 60 million years. You wake up, you're a little nuts and like, wait, I used to have skin. I'll go get skin. Something is missing. Oh, like it, it's a very interesting thought and presentation of it. Right. Like, I know that he's not definitely saying like, oh, yeah, these people are just bonkers. Uh, but you could definitely infer that from this, right? So he has poor Yannick, who I'm hoping, like, all he needs to do is if he keeps him fighting, um, keeps there his was mind a really... stuff. Yeah, but then what do you think about that Baron, then? Which one? The one that, the one that was offering him the flesh, and he's, like, beat it to death, and then realized, oh, crap, I killed him against his own statue, which was kind of funny, by the way. That was hilarious. <laughs> He's just like, eh, I guess we're just going to have to mark him out, right? But again, like, maybe these guys wake up and their minds are just a little weird. And so they kind of keep them downstairs and then they just go crazy. Like but there the was kind of that implication, attic. right? There was kind <laughs> good reference. Um, there was kind of that, as you said, when Mentep was like, don't watch them. Don't look at them. Um. I mean, maybe that's what happened with the Baron. Maybe he was down there too much and he just spent too much time looking at it. And then all of a sudden he is like, oh, right. I, I do miss having skin. I do miss having food and sustenance and like everything else. And then he just kind of went crazy too. I don't know. But I'm so insanely interested now to know. Which, you know, makes me wonder if that's why. Because they talked about how that when... Whenever they settled on a planet or, you know, when they came out of the bioframes was the first thing that they did, no matter where they were, they scorched the planet of all life. And it's almost like they maybe inherently knew that they would miss life too much if it was around them. So when you have life come in. I do like when he was like, even when I was flesh, I don't understand the point of animals. Like, that was such a random revelation when he was I, like Ugh, I guess some people are this? like that though they just don't like animals or they just don't get animals which I don't get that they don't trust people who don't like animals no don't trust any of those people um I don't know that I would trust him uh no I mean he was a noble he was a so, noble and, who didn't like animals also I'm assuming that they brought the destroyer with him Baraka I'm sure they brought him with them so you've got, you have Mentep, not entirely on the level. Yennek, definitely losing his mind. You have the one lord who I thought was funny when he was like, we have the stones. And he's oh like, oh my God. They're like, because there's that other affliction they have, the ataxia, that they're basically their minds are just degenerating. Like, you know, basically it's Alzheimer's for zombie robots. Um, yeah. Yeah. Was, well, it that was funny. That was so funny when he was like, you know, in a lot of ways, he'll always have them. <laughs> and no one, not even Baraka, will take them from him. 
Which I thought was so funny that even that guy, even that person, who had, like, was a destroyer, right? Who was clearly, like, um, even that person would not have been, like, you don't have those stupid stones, dude. <laughs> like, that made, but so he has, like, Ultix has, like, this cadre of lords who are barely functioning. He's got a destroyer who... Okay, the destroyers in and of themselves are what you might call unstable. Well, I mean, think about the Aficio Assassinorum that are the destroyers, what the, the Nemesaurs. Basically, yes. And they're super stable. Oh, super. They're a happy bunch. A super happy. Mer merry bunch, as uh, Mintap calls them. And he's oh. just like, oh, you're Mary group. And Baraka's like, oh, you think we're Mary? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I do like when Ultix is like, oh, damn. Like, oh, snap. Did he actually just? Oh, and let's not forget he has a scarab who is populated by his submines, which, by the way, is amazing. Yeah. I, I want a sentient scarab that flies around and follows me. Right, so that was the other part I liked was in the arena, how he's... Mm pretending not to have been improving like a well-placed stumble oh look I accidentally <laughs> like I was like you know what? I actually would like to actually right. see this animated that would be kind of funny and when he kills the amble he's like oh crap <laughs> he's like oh, okay maybe I should have maybe I should have taken a little easier there <laughs> um, well and I just liked the whole idea that the submines were like talking to him but they were using the blinking code to be like oh this is this do this 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 and this Morse, and he's like oh okay okay Morse code basically basically yeah or the Aldous lamp <laughs> basically what they're doing like it just they didn't have flags so it couldn't be semaphore but it's just the idea that it was that submines I liked the idea that the submines started off as like this kind of like nagging informative thing but now kind of like grew to be a friend counselor advisor but the implication there is that this is definitely AI like it's approaching oh, AI yeah. right well you could argue that the Necrons are AI of sorts they just started from from humans I mean gonna go to halo reference now i'm just gonna go all oh, my video game universes but like the the ais that they have in halo like Cort my favorite ai cortana and everybody Press x to insert her mm -hmm. so and all the others they were i mean it's they were all created from brains so that's why they had the personalities that they had and that's kind of how i see the necrons in many many ways they're not well, he kind of says that yeah is that they're in the author's introduction he basically says like is this actually ultix or is this a machine that has ultix's memories and personality and then has grown into something else right like where is that it's not quite artificial well, intelligence no i mean but but if you're going to go into like the whole artificial intelligence thing about if you're going to go to the unshackled AIs where they're able to learn and grow and develop, then yes, he's definitely an AI, but he's an AI made from Ultix's brain, much like the AIs in Halo. Right. It's a weird concept, right? Like, and I kind of wrestled with that too, because 
first off, when he talked, like when he went back to his day of biotransference and he talks about just the inches of ash, the corpse ash from going into the furnaces. And I really do struggle with that right now. Obviously, the Catan are kind of like gods and they kind of moved their brains into there. Um, so I'm willing to say. No, I wouldn't have Jake, gone through just for the word furnace. Yeah, um, yeah, miss me with that. I'm trying to figure out like what poor people you put through that to figure out if it was working or not. Um, but like, I'm willing to say like there's magic involved, but with it comes to the Necrons, but his sub minds for sure are definitely AIs that took on a lot of his aspects of his personality, but definitely have their own cognition. Right. And now they're in a scarab. So where do they go from here? Him and his ragtag island of misfit toys. I don't know. Gonna go find another planet? I don't know. I don't know. And I mean, they've established that the humans are definitely an issue. To be fair, this book could have totally ended right here. And it's fine. Maybe. But I, because I enjoyed the book so much, I want to know what happens next. Like, I, where do you go from here? You now, you've established that the humans are basically applying pressure. Your dynasty's in no position to deal with them. I mean, you can hurt them. They're going to go find another dynasty? I guess. Like, go find another dynasty, cozy up to them. Do you just start killing the humans and fighting them in the name of your dynasty to see if other people come to join? Like... Weirdo. Well, that makes you know better than the orcs at that point, doesn't it? Good question. I mean, valid question there. Like, at what point do you just become the, well, I gotta keep my guys sane, so we're just gonna go kill some people. And maybe that's why the orcs grow crumping. Why does they go nuts? Right? Um, I'm not sure they really ever had a lot on the ball. Wow. Uh, right i don't i don't know and i don't know what uh, i don't know um but i'm really curious and i can't wait to see where it goes from here like i'm really excited for a sequel to this um because i really enjoyed it but it's a weird group and I can already see like I want to know what's going on with Mentep but I can already see some issues there you can see this issue of Yannick if he ends up having to Lenny Yannick I'm going to be very very sad Lenny oh, tell me about the rabbits George I was going to say he's going to tell him about the rabbits mm-hmm. or whatever Necronter type vermin that they had tell me about the orcs George Tell me about the orcs, Ultics. Okay. Um. Don't you dare. What? He's gonna have to, though, I think. I don't see a way in which that guy's story ends well. I just don't. Unless they all end up with the flare curse. Well, I mean, considering they're Necrons, I don't see any of their stories ending well. Okay, that's fair. Um, Cause, so... Because their time is over. Right. Last question that I'm still, that I personally am still wrestling with. 
What did you think of Yoceris's basically their parting? Eh. Some of his revelations. That Meh. basically, yeah, I knew dad was going crazy for like a really long time and I did nothing. Because he was always a servant. You Not know, just that. When just, he says, he's, just, he's like, I didn't want to rule. I mean, I mean, I was like, okay, so because of that, and because you're refusing to not serve, you won't do anything about it. I mean, I'm not a big fan of inaction to begin with. And so no. just Sarah's actually always kind of bothered me with his inaction. Mm -hmm. This stuff is so funny because he would act and then there's certain things he would like totally act on. And there are things he'd be like, no, we have to serve. It's like, so you pushed your father into letting you take Ultics with you to this great war. That's not mm -hmm. serving him. That's going up against him, what he's saying. But then when you see he's gone nuts and is eating people, I can't go up against him. He's my king. And I can't go ask for help because that's not serving him anymore. And I mean, also it's one yeah. thing that Ultics did keep pointing out. It's like, you're constantly contradicting him, contradicting yourself. I mean, take cleaning off the dust while I'm getting dirty, not even realizing that, you know, that's kind of the metaphor for Tosaris' entire existence right there. Well, but he wasn't actually cleaning off the dust. Remember, he was etching all of their deeds onto them, which I thought was, I thought that was beautiful because he like, he realized he's like, okay, so maybe my brother had the right of it that we should. No, he was cleaning because they made a very big deal about him cleaning. Oh, I know, but remember then at the end, he realizes, he's like, oh my god, he wasn't just cleaning, he was etching their deeds into oh, them because right. nobody else was going to remember it. Um, and he couldn't tell from where he was, and also he was still kind of dealing with the fact that, ugh, my brother's a jerk. Um, let it be known, yet again, twice I thought I threw this animal out of this room. Um, uh, no, she's been in here the entire time. I had somebody open the door to get her out. No, she's been here the whole time. Um, You're a butthead. Um, <clears throat> so, like, that kind of stuff was very nice. And you're right. Like, he does. He's like, no, no, no. I need to bring my brother with me. Now, maybe he convinced him of that because he's like, I am serving because I'm trying to prepare him to become the leader because I don't want to lead. So I need to bring him with me so that I can ready him. And this is my service to the dynasty is providing them a better leader. Like Josera strikes me very much as a character who rationalized everything that he did. And then yet he's not serving because he's not standing up against him going crazy. So yeah. But again, what was the reason? I didn't want to rule which struck me as very selfish then all you had to do was take care of the problem and go get your brother back that's a very simple solution yeah again the necrons being very stuck in their ways in their mind in their way of thinking and you know they're they're always right mm -hmm. you know i didn't like it i mean like him i didn't like ultics i don't like the necrods and this didn't endear me endear them to me at all it's like yes this explains why your time is over because you guys are nuts you're selfish you are very selfish people and you're nuts not saying that the imperium of man is not selfish but fuck i mean they're not we're wearing each other's faces selfish i mean <laughs> 
All right. Okay. So the corn. All right. I can't speak for the corn people, but we all know that you know that's not the Imperium of Man. That's that's nuts. It is nuts. Although I would say uh -oh. I can't see um, anyone in corn actually wearing somebody else's face because they kind of like their own face. They do like their own faces. I. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I'm so torn on how I feel about his brother. I feel like ultimately I was kind of glad that he died. I was sad when he did. I knew he, he was going he, to. I mean, well, of course you knew that he was going to. He I had mean, to. Well, yeah, I mean, and the only reason why well, I knew. be real, he had to. Well, right. The only reason why I knew Ultix wasn't going to die is because I knew there was a sequel. Well, right. That's the only reason Otherwise, like, I could totally see everybody. And everybody dying. Right. They're all going down with the ship, the planet, the dynasty, whatever you want to say. Yes. Oh, very much so. And just from the narrative structure, you knew that his brother was going to die. Mm -hmm. But it was sad when he kind of has the realization. Because, again, this once proud, bitter, petulant character to suddenly be like, oh, man. Like, I lost my father. I lost my brother. I lost everything in a day. Right? Like, now I have to grow up. I have to step into this role. I have to be this person. I did like when the King's Guard basically looks at him and is like, are you going to take care of this? He's just like, yes, I am. I guess the sad like, thing is, is that he didn't have his father. He didn't have his brother this whole time. And instead, he decided to go sit in a corner and pout. Instead of growing up. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, he had technically lost them years ago. But now for realsies lost them. And that just made me, that is what made me sad. Is just, when he's like, oh just man. just realized why I never liked Altix. Hmm. He reminds me too much of Damien. Damien Wayne. He is not of good clay. No, he's not of good clay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't get that vibe from him. But I did get, I, I could understand why you would have. I definitely can see the comparison. Um, not the one that I went with, but definitely can mm -hmm. see it. I, I just hate Damian Wayne, so I refuse to go there. <laughs> I will be interested. I will say for the second book, I'm excited for it. But I will be sad if we have to go through the same arc again. Where, like, now that he's off and he's the king, that he's like, ugh sucks my empire is dead what am i supposed to rule here i don't know what to do like i'm gonna be a little upset uh we have seen that before with series in the black library um where a character reverts back to how it, this happens a lot and i shouldn't say this in the black library just within the black library this happens in movies and in books all the time where you're like oh we're back to square one in the sequel um, I, I hope that we get to see that continued growth. I hope we get answers on Mintep. Uh, I have a lot of hopes for the other book. But I I greatly enjoyed it. It definitely... I think because it surprised me. Mm. Again, I went in not giving a crap about the Necrons, really. I, I actually kind of described this as the serious version of Infinite and the Divine. Because ultimately, similar to that, that was a tale of two friends, or two frenemies. Two frenemies. This was a tale of two brothers. Right? Mm -hmm. With this Shakespearean and magnitude power struggle. 
Yeah, I think that one of the reasons why I liked Infinite and Divine is because it didn't really even feel like a Necron story. No. The fact that they were immortal and that they could try, that they basically spent 10,000 years jacking with this one planet. I mean, that's the only Necron-y thing <laughs> about it. But they both had, like, real personalities as well and their own quirks. And I just... And this just felt like, yeah, this is a lot like, you know, the other Indomitus, the Indominus books. Like, yes, the Necrons have no personality. They're predictable and they're boring. Oh, I disagree. I loved, I, I, again, he was very petulant. So in the beginning half of the book, he didn't really, I didn't really connect with him there. Um, so it feels kind of weird saying like, oh, I really liked his character. But I, I really did like what happened with them. And I liked how they all felt very different. They didn't just feel like the same he didn't feel like an Orican or a um, Trazen no. knockoff. I, I don't right? think anybody could come come close. Cause they, I, and I, That's fair. I did kind of giggle because they always made they made jokes about them both. Just because how eccentric they are. And just they're just kind of their own things, which is great. And, I'm, and I want them to be their own things. I don't want them to be like, oh, we're just like Trazen or we're just like Orkin and this and this and this ways. All this book did was just drive home to me that the Infinite Divine was an outlier and I, I do not like the Necrons. They just don't interest me. As the person who finds the Blood Angels really boring and uninteresting, I can totally feel that. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like, and that's one thing that I really like about the Warhammer 40k universe is that some factions just don't click with you. Yeah. And other factions really do. Um, I'm really shocked that the Necrons are clicking with me. Like, super. I'm not. These ones did not. These ones do. I'm not shocked at all. Really? Yeah. Um, you like. Explain yourself. Okay. Very easily. Uh, you go for the robot AI types. You just do. That's fair. I can't really argue that. Yeah. So when you even said you're like, I'm not, it's like, like Necrons, I'm not looking forward to it. I was like, whatever, you're lying to yourself now. No, the Necrons, again, I think because the most recent book that we, like the most recent book that we dealt with them as the main characters was Indomitus. Man, (sighs) and that book just... So many things wrong with that book that I don't feel are entirely the author's fault with it. No, agreed. Um, I mean, yes, I'm running to Gav Thorpe's defense, uh, but you know, at the same time, like, I'll make myself clear. Like, I'm not hating on Nate Crowley. I think he wrote a very good book. It just didn't hit with me because I just don't care about the Necrons. The and same that's way, like, totally fair. Uh, like the uh, Darkness in the Blood, like that didn't hit with Jen because she doesn't care about the Dark Angels. No, just, I hated that book. You know, one of those things. But yeah, it's, yeah. And that's one of the things that, I, again, I, I really like that about the Warhammer 40k universe is that there's something for everyone. Right. Right. <laughs> this faction there's doesn't There's literally something for, for everyone. Worry. Like, you don't, you Some don't like. Some people love the Harlequins. They're not my friends. I mean, let's be real. I mean, kind of fair. But, and. So what makes this somewhat I mean, interesting? Like Gabe is watching um, Pokemon Sun and Moon, and there's a Harlequin esque uh, Pokemon in there. I was like, that is not okay. Like that is not okay. What is that? I don't know their names. I didn't. I never played Sun and Moon, so I don't know. It's, I don't Maybe know. Either. So. 
I do neither. But I now I'm insanely interested to know which one this is because I will just refer to it as the the space elf Pokemon. I will find space out for you. Space elf theater nerd. I will find out for you and let you know. The Harlequins are. So hopefully our next book will not have any Harlequins in it. Uh, as we <laughs> finally get to the epic conclusion of the Yarnhammer pack. With <laughs> the reason the- why we were reading the Yarnhammer about the Yarn Hammer pack in the first place. This book right here. <laughs> Whoops. Whoopsie. Actually, really funny. Um, Are your pages this. blue? They're gray. Just oh, amazing. Nice. I, a really awesome person got me this special edition. Uh, <laughs> I absolutely love this book with the cloth, mostly the cloth cover, but it's foiled and then it has the leather and the gray... If you listen to this podcast for any amount of time, you know I'm a sucker for colored, colored pages. pages. Yep. It doesn't matter what color it is. No, I just love it, especially if it's thematic. Um, like, we, so, could, we could be reading an Emperor's Children book, and if the pages are pink, she'd be like, this is cool. Pink. Like, this is amazing. It's awesome. Uh, especially if the cover was purple. Like, the more mm. garish that they made yeah, the yeah. book, it'd be amazing. Um, but... So, kind of funny story. I did see that Chris Rate actually did tag something about this on Twitter, where he was like, "Look, if you're wanting to read the rest of the saga, it's kind of hard to find the first two books, or any indication that it's a trilogy on the Black Library site." So he had actually provided the direct links to the first two books. So, okay, we missed that this is a trilogy. Whoops. It seems like it's not entirely our fault. I'm going to go with not entirely our fault. First off, the other two books were older. It's been a really long time since Not only that, but the Black Yarn Library Hammer. would usually be pretty good about when they announce how, like, something like this. They would actually, you know, actually have, you know, three of three. Something mm-hmm. like that, especially in the pre-order or at least in the description somewhere. But there was, like, nothing, nothing like that. No. And it wasn't until, actually, I was preparing the book on our website. I saw on Goodreads three of three. I was like, what do you mean three of three? <laughs> That was the only reason that we caught it, you guys. Goodreads. Thank you, Goodreads. Yeah. Thank you, Goodreads. Uh, because we were going to enter it into the... Um... Yeah, the website. Yeah. No. No, we were not. Yeah. Uh, that was a that was an emergency break pull. Whoops. Whoopsie. Uh, the really funny thing about this is, though, or the additionally funny thing, is that... So we're going to end up this, and then hopefully by the time we finish this... Wolf time by Gav Thorpe will be here, so we're gonna get all the space wolves. It's all like of them. literally all the space wolves. <laughs> so I'm I'm really excited for this because I think after the second book we had a lot of questions. Some or as Carrie would say, questions. Yes, and I heard that they're all answered in here. So if they're not all answered, I'm coming for you guys. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, pretty much. I'm gonna need answers I or mean, at I'm least fr- a coffee. I'm from Texas, so you know I'll <laughs> I'll do it. Um, I'm from Colorado, so just like send me coffee, and I'll I'll forgive you. It's true. She's much easier to buy off than I am. I am. Like I'm really pissed off about something, and someone's like, "Can I just buy you a coffee?" And I'm like, "Water under the bridge. <laughs> it's all good." Pretty much. No idea why we were fighting in the first place. Pretty much. Like, whatever. This coffee's delicious. And, I mean, as long as it's good coffee. Like, if you bring me McDonald's coffee, then we're going to still be in a fight. <laughs> it's like the PBR of coffee. 
it's so funny is that I know so many people who like PBR unironically. My husband, for his money, McDonald's is the best coffee that you can get. Now, that's a step above my father, who for his money, Folgers Crystals are still the best coffee that you can buy. Oh, okay. With powdered coffee mate. Powdered coffee mate. He won't even get like the, the liquid no. creamer? Okay. No. He will during the holidays because, you know, <laughs> get your fruity flavors. But, uh, okay. No. Ah, well. Mm-hmm. Why so, don't I go ahead and I'll go and take us, us out, out. While we're, before we get into like coffee talk. That could be a whole other coffee podcast. Talk. Coffee talk. Yes. Whole other podcast. And people would have to talk amongst themselves. Right. As we talk about how grape nuts are neither grapes nor nuts. Discuss. Discuss. Mm-hmm. Alright, well while you're discussing, <laughs> you've listened to the Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding Twice Dead King Ruin by Nate Crowley. Be sure to join us for our next book, Hellwinter Gate by Chris Raitt. We are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you like this episode, please like subscribe give a review and all those wonderful things to the vidcast on youtube or the podcasts anywhere you get podcasts uh our site also has articles about our adventures and reading other warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books so please stay a while and read from a crag and yep yeah, i'm still off various here but it like gets you some chartreuse all right now she's got like double the chartreuse y'all I'm going to have a chartreuse shelf by the end of this. And that would be kind of funny, actually. It's like I wouldn't better get a special edition. Because I will have a chartreuse shelf. You will have a chartreuse shelf. It'll actually be kind of amazing. It'll glow in the dark. We can see it from space. This way the Necron will will like it. I will have like a little label on it. The chartreuse shelf. (laughs) Alright, good night. I have a vinyl cutter, (laughs) y'all. Good night. Warhammer 40k book club is hosted by Jen Bozier and me. Recording and editing of both the vidcast and podcast were done by me. The book club questions and discussion format were done by Jen, and all of our music is by Jingle Punks. The Warhammer 40k book club is a Warhammer LLC production. This is a Voxcast that even he, Cato Sicarius, would approve.